Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Again, thank you so much for being here and being a part of our services. We are going to start a new series, and it's entitled Fearless. And we're going to be talking for the next just a few weeks. It's going to be a short series, but we're going to talk about the story of of Gideon and the idea of really looking at at the story of Gideon and his life and some of the things that he went through and some of the things that that took him to why you and I know who Gideon is with the story there. But but as we look at the story of Gideon, I'm going to read just a little bit here, just some of my notes, and then I'll get into preaching. That's all right. But looking at the story of Gideon and the idea of fearless, there's a number of, of things that really take us historically to where we come in the book of Judges to where Gideon is. We have generation after generation of people that basically in the, the, the culture, not even the culture, but the people of, of Israel, the Israelites would would go generation after generation and one generation would serve God and be on fire and then the next generation would kind of fall away. Then God would bring judgment and then God would send a judge and God would send a prophet and then they would would come back and there would be another generation of people that would serve God and would love God and would be excited and on fire for God and and then the, the cycle kind of went. And so we come to a spot here with within the history of of the judges and it's been over 40 years but we see Gideon kind of comes in and on the scene basically prior to that we if we were to go back to the beginning of Judges you look at the the very beginning in the first book of Judges we see that Joshua had just just died and Judah was now taking in leadership and we see a couple of different things that that God had given them and there was there was basically some standards some guidelines hey these are things you do these are things you don't do and in doing those things you would be blessed if we go to Judges chapter number two and we look right at the very beginning of Judges chapter number two and I don't think I I put the the verses on the screen I apologize for that but in Judges two in the very beginning an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And ye shall make no league with inhabitants of this land. Or basically, you're going to go kill them off and don't just, don't just kind of get rid of them a little bit and deal with it, but like wipe them out. You're not to co-inhabit it and habitate together. It's basically kind of what that is and he says ye shall throw down their altars and then he says but ye have not obeyed my voice why have ye done this wherefore I also said I will not drive them out from before you but they shall be as thorns in your sides and their God shall be a snare unto you so basically what took place here and this is kind of leading into where we're at this morning is they were told to go in to get rid of the people 
And what they did is they kind of came into something that was a little bit tougher than they really thought. And they kind of went in and they dealt with the situation, but they didn't wipe out the situation. And so here you've got the children of Israel, and, and they just kind of made a pact with the people. Hey, we'll live peaceably together, and we'll kind of deal with this in this manner. And God said, well, that's not exactly what I told you to do. And so in verse number 3, he says, He will not drive them out, but they will be thorns in your sides really forever. Look at what's going on in the news today. You've got a lot of thorns in the sides of Israel, if you haven't paid attention. But we come to a spot here, and then you go to verse number 10. It says, And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And so as I kind of stated just a moment ago, you have a generation who would serve God, and then generations would pass and they would fall away and then you would have a generation that would come up and a prophet would come and then they would serve God and then they would go away and then they would serve God and they would go away and, and G, or it's written here in verse number 10 that the generation uh, that gathered unto their fathers and there arose another generation after that knew not the Lord and so we kind of come to a spot in the history before we kind of lead into where we're going this morning but the initial disobedience and the cohabitation of multiple peoples the children of Israel begin to bow to false gods they begin to worship at the altars of Baal and the other gods then naturally because they were living in the same general region in the same area they began to the to get married and have intermarriage with other tribes and so on and so forth and with that again naturally came a denial of the the real God and worshiping of the false gods and so there were many things basically going on prior to excuse me prior to Gideon coming into this uh, onto the scene but we come into the story of Gideon where the cycle has been set for the Israelites they are now slaves of a group of people it has been over 40 years that they have been oppressed and if we look in Judges chapter 6 starting in verse number 8 we see it says that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel which said unto them um, thus saith the Lord God of Israel I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave you their land and I said unto you I am the Lord your God fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell but ye have not obeyed my voice and so again if we were to follow and go through all the different stories of Old Testament, it's, it's kind of who we are, right? We get excited, we serve God, we do our thing, and we're on this high. And then all of a sudden something happens and we kind of doubt and we, we kind of go away. And then we go through these cycles in our own Christian lives. But the Israelites are at a place where they were running where they were, well, I shouldn't say they were running, but they just weren't doing the right thing. They had allowed the things to take over. They had got to a place, and then 
this unknown prophet says, Fear not the gods of the Amorites, but yet there was fear. So this morning we're going to look at the word fear, and really for the next couple weeks we're going to look at the word fear. But I looked up the definition of the word fear, and it says this, an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger and accompanied by increased autonomic, automatic activity. It says an instance of fear. I don't know what your fear is. We all have them. We all have something that just frightens us. I looked up fear in the dictionary or fear with all the different phobias. If you want something kind of comical, just look up Google up Google phobia and the things that you get. I'm just going to read you a couple of these things and hopefully they'll be kind of comical to you. But in some of them, if I don't pronounce them correctly, I, I apologize up front because I know that I'm going to obliterate some of these words, but we'll get there. Ablutophobia is a fear of washing or bathing. I think every 13 and 14 year old boy has that. If you've worked with students for any time, you understand. It may even go a little bit, maybe down to like 10, 11. But anyway, ablutophobia, fear of washing or bathing. Electrophobia, electorophobia is the fear of chickens. What I want to know is whoever has this, do they eat fried chicken or barbecue chicken on the grill? I'm just curious of that one when that came up. Androphobia is the fear of men. There was another one that was a fear of women. Anthropophobia is the fear of people or society. I don't know if you have that. I'm assuming if you did, you would not be here and maybe you just become a hermit in your house. Anuptophobia is the fear of staying single. Maybe some of you have one of those. Cockophobia is the fear of ugliness. Cyberphobia is the fear of computers or working on a computer. Ecclesiophobia is the fear of church. Ephibophobia is the fear of teenagers. Some of you are going through that stage in your home and you become one of those. Ergophobia is the fear of work. Does anybody have that? Geliophobia is the fear of laughter. Homilophobia is the fear of sermons. If you have that, you're in for a great day. Macrophobia is the fear of long waits. I just think that is called lack of patience. I don't know. Paganophobia is the fear of beards. And I was going to make fun of Rustin, but he is camping, so I can't really do that. Um, but any rate, there's rhytophobia is the fear of getting wrinkles. I don't know how many of you have one of those. That's when you, if you live in California, you just go and get it all fixed up. Uh, Saucerophobia is the fear of parents in law. Anybody? Men? Hello. Uh, Xemophobia is the fear of the great mole rat. So I'll end with that one. 
I don't know if anybody has the fear of the great mole rat. And again, those are just kind of silly, and there's literally hundreds of these phobias that are listed out. But as I was going through, and I'll kind of wrap this up, I don't think many people are amused this morning. You just want me to get on so you can go out to the lake and have fun over your holiday weekend. But as I was looking up, and as I was thinking of the fears, and I was looking through all those things, and many of them are really ridiculous, and or at least if you don't have it, you think it's ridiculous, right? Um, there's the natural ones, your fear of heights and your fear of like claustrophobic and your fear of all these different things that we would kind of look at and go, okay, I can kind of see that. And then there's the other ones, you're like, fears of chicken, really? Like, okay. But regardless, we, when I was thinking about this and I was going through some of these thoughts, I started to think about the, the emotions towards things and challenges in our life and things that become fears of who we are and what we do. Many of us will not do certain things because of a fear that is in front of us. And I was just thinking, and here's one of the thoughts that I kind of wrote down. I am the, I am, I firmly believe that we choose to do or not to do most things simply because we are afraid of the unknown. So you get a promotion at work and you're thinking to myself, well, I'm very comfortable where I'm at. If I do this, I'm really not sure what that all entails. I don't want to put in more hours. I really don't want to have this kind of responsibility or that kind of responsibility. And you look at it and you go, with the promotion comes X amount of dollars, a raise or whatever. And you're like, that's awesome, but I really don't want this. Or maybe you're in church and you sit here and you're like, I'd really like to work in an area and I'd like to serve. But if I do that, I really don't know what they're going to think or what's going to come of that? If I start in this area, they're going to want me to do this over here, and then they're this, or they just there's going to be this snowball effect, and I'm afraid of what that would be. Or maybe at home you're a, you're afraid to really give in to something. Maybe in your Christian life you're afraid if I, man, if I really just give everything to God, we always do we not just think the worst. If I were to ask many of you, and I'll be real honest, this has been a, I don't want to, I don't know if it's a fear of mine, but it's always been a thought of mine. If I just give everything to God, really, what does that mean for me? And we think, well, he's going to send us to like the deepest, darkest, most dangerous jungle in the world. He's going to make me live poor and I'm going to have this really, really rough life. And God, if I give everything to God, he's going to do all of these things. And my life is going to be just crazy. We don't ever think of, man, if I give my life to God, look what I could be. But we get fearful of the unknown. I'm fearful as a dad. If I, if I make the decision to be the best father that I could be, what will that really do to me? I'm going to be the best husband, and I'm going to go home, and I'm going to do everything that I can to make our home the best that it can be. But if I do that, if I make that decision... What's going to come of that? That means I'm going to have to help my wife cook. I'm going to have to help clean. I'm going to have to do things I don't want to do. That might mean, dads, you're going to have to get up in the middle of the night instead of acting like you didn't hear the cry. There's all these things that come with the fear of the unknown in all of our lives. And I believe so many times as we talk this morning about not just the fears that we have of the heights or any of those things, but when we look at our lives as individuals, why do we choose not to do things because of 
fear. We stop ourselves. We cut ourselves so, so short. For so long, I really just, I was afraid, and I'll be real honest, a little bit even today, there's times that I'm afraid, God, if I, if I stop doing this and I just give everything to you, what else are you going to give to me? What else is going to be? When I was a kid, I used to think, man, what if, what if I could, what if I was like the next Billy Graham? You ever think of anything like that? Maybe you're an athlete. Maybe when you were a kid, you played sports and you're like, man, I don't know who your favorite athlete was, but I loved baseball. I always wanted to be a baseball player. Man, what if I grew up and I could be like, Kyle Ripken was one of those guys to me. Omar Vizquel or you can put the name in there man what if if I could be that but as I got a little bit older and I got involved in ministry and I thought man what if I could be this great student ministry guy that that really has reached so many kids and I can write a book or I could do something where where it really impacts a lot of people but then you stop and you go Man, that's a kind of a scary thought. The fear that comes in. What must I have to give up to do and to be something like that? So oftentimes in all of our lives, if I'm not speaking to you, maybe it's just to me, we are so afraid because we don't know exactly what that looks like. And so we just go, you know what? I'll be really, really comfortable and I'll continue to do what I'm doing. I'm doing okay. And I'll just stay right where I'm at. here we come to the story of Gideon and if we look at Gideon and we look at Gideon's life we really don't know much about him other than what it speaks of in this passage of scripture and it speaks that he was poor it speaks that he didn't have a great family that's well known It speaks that he was the lowest within his family. It talks within here, and we'll get into this, but where he was, he was, it says that he was threshing wheat, hiding behind the wine press. He was afraid of the Midianites, and he was afraid of where he was in the circumstance of which he was. But we look at this and we think, man, God must be something. He uses all these incredible and amazing people who were never afraid. And and then we stop and we look at Moses. And Moses in Exodus chapter 3 says, "Who Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Then we look at Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1 and Jeremiah says, I cannot speak for I am a youth. I am just a child. So there's so many things throughout the history really of the Bible where it's people that are afraid just like you and just like me. And so this morning, if you would, if you're not already there, but if you go to Judges chapter number 6, And in Judges chapter number 6, we're going to 
spend, like I said, the next three weeks and the next couple chapters, six, seven, and eight, talk about Gideon and Gideon's story. But if we go to Judges chapter number six, the first seven verses, and I'm not going to read all of those, it kind of speaks of the children of Israel and how they had done evil in the sight of the Lord and and he had delivered them, he had given them to the hands of the Midians and they were basically in bondage, they were enslaved, they were slaves to the, the Midianites and then we come to verse number 11 and in verse number 11 it says this and there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abizarite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And as we look at that passage of scripture, we come to our first point this morning, and I've just got a couple quick points this morning, and we'll get out of here. But the point, the very first point is this, Gideon's call. Just briefly, I shared some of the history that took up to where the, the Israelites were up and down and up and down. And at this point, they had were, God had basically just said, you know what? Here, you're going to be with the Midianites. They're gonna, you're going to be a slave to them. You're going to do what they tell you to do. And you're just going to be in their hands because, you know what? You're not doing what we've called you to do. You're not doing what you've asked to do. And you've disobeyed. You've done all these things. And here we see that God sends an angel to go and talk to Gideon. Again, who is Gideon? Nobody. God sends an angel that speaks to Gideon and gives Gideon the call to go and do something. Where he calls Gideon and he lets Gideon know that the Lord is with him. And then he went even further to say that he was a mighty man of valor we look at all these different people that we're going back through the some just some of the history of the bible we look at joshua we look at daniel you look at john the baptist you look at the disciples you look at paul you look at mary the mother of jesus we can look at moses we can look at jeremiah and you could go on and on and on and on and on rahab esther ruth of people that God decided to use who were absolutely nobodies. Where God showed up, or God sent an angel, or God did something and called them to be something that they did not think that they were. Ordinary people that God chose to use. And here again with Gideon, we see another ordinary man who was just out doing what he did. He was just being faithful to his job. Nothing ordinary. Basically, really, even that, he was less than ordinary in many eyes because of his family, because he wasn't this great figurehead. Yet God sent an angel and says, God is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, throughout some of my study, I looked at this mighty man of valor that some believe that he may have been courageous in battle prior to, and and so he may have had something within kind of a, a notch on his belt that he had done throughout battle. But but to have God come and say, I'm calling you, the hand of God is on you, and then to say, you mighty man of valor. 
I don't know about you and I don't know about any call that God has had on your life or maybe it's been a call in your life that you have ran from and you have fled from. Every call is different. And when I speak of a call on God or on, on Gideon's life and we look at this, it's not this great each of us again has different calls. I was called to be a pastor when I was in high school. I just felt the tug of God on my heart to go into ministry. Some of you, your tug on, on your heart may be children. It may be serving in any capacity that you can. Some people just love to serve and that may be cleaning a toilet that may be serving in the nursery that may be coming in here and straightening up chairs and vacuuming it may be working with children and working with teenagers and and the list could go on and on and on and on and on each of us have a different call in our lives based on what god has called us to be but gifts the gifts that god has given to us but so many times just like gideon and we will see here that when the tug comes to our heart, we look and we kind of stop and we go, time out, God, who am I that I could do anything for you? God, don't you understand all of the past that I have? God, do you not get where I have came from? And we become fearful, just like Gideon, I don't think Gideon just felt that he was a nobody. I think Gideon was scared to death, just like Moses was scared to death, to go and face Pharaoh. He was fearful. He was afraid. You know what? I'll be honest. I was afraid to say yes to the call to go into ministry. It took me almost two years to finally just say, you know what, God? Here I am. I'll be willing to do that. It's scary. But God, prior to any of this, says in verse number 10 of Judges, fear not. And it'll say it again to Gideon when he says, fear not, for I am with you. And so as we look and as we go through kind of this series, this the next couple weeks, and we look at all these different things, God doesn't call you and I because we're special. He doesn't call you and I because He wants to put the fear of God into you. He doesn't call you and I and He doesn't ask of our service and He doesn't ask of these things because He wants to just scare you to death. He wants to use you. And typically... We don't necessarily want to be used because we don't look at ourselves as somebody that's worthy to be used. And so we just kind of go, whoa, you don't have this together, God. And we become frightened. We become fearful of God using us to do anything. We don't necessarily want to be stretched. We like to stay comfortable. And so as we continue to go on and we look at verse 13, And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all of this befallen us? And where be all of his miracles which our fathers told us of? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel. From the hand of the Midianites, have not I, God, sent thee? 
And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? How can I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. We are poor, God, and I am the youngest. I am nobody. I'm not even supposed to do this. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Gideon first was called, and the very, the very next thing that Gideon does is Gideon begins to question who God is. He begins to pose questions back at God. And so the next point is that, just simple, Gideon's questions. I'm pretty sure this is a step that many of us have had. If we look at Jeremiah chapter number one and verse number five, we see that, again, there was a a question there. And in in Jeremiah chapter one, if we look at, this passage of scripture in verse number five it says before i formed thee in the belly i knew thee and before thou camest forth out of the womb i sanctified thee and i ordained thee a prophet unto the nations jeremiah says back ah lord god behold i cannot speak for i am a child but the lord said unto me say not i am a child for thou shalt go to all that i shall send thee and whatsoever i command thee thou shalt speak Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And we look and we can go on and on and on and on throughout so many different passages of Scripture where where God called somebody and they said, whoa, time out. I cannot do this. And it really comes back to fear. Again, Moses saying, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh? that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. Gideon goes into everything he can think of. Lord, how many of you have done this? God, if you're really with me, then why am I a slave to this? God, if you're really with us, if you are with the Israelites, then why is it that you have allowed us to be a part of this? Why are we being slaves to these people? Hey, God, by the way, where are all of those miracles that my father has told us of? Where are all of these things that God has, that, that everybody has always talked about how great you are? And I got to, they got to see all this and they got to do all these things. And here I am. God, where are you? If you really are with me and that's who you say you are and that's the things that you've done, then where in the world are you? And Gideon just kind of goes at him. Hey, you just said you're with me, and this is what I'm, I'm seeing. And he continues to go on. God, do you understand that I'm the least? I, I, we're, we're a poor family. I'm the least. Let me, let me just kind of speak honesty to you. What happens when you become afraid? If you're afraid, what do you do? Do you do what you normally do? Do you act the same way? No. I'm sure every one of you have stories that would make us all fall on the floor laughing of a moment in your life when you were afraid of something and what your reaction was to it. I'll never forget times in my life where I was afraid. 
Mindy and I were in the hills of West Virginia at my grandmother's house, snooping. Come upon a house that was vacant, that was old. So what do you do? You look. And here I am looking through the windows. And I said, Mindy, you've got to come see this. I don't know how old this house was. I don't know how long the house sat. But I do know this. It had looked like a tornado went through. The family just up and left. Windows were broken. I mean, there was antiques everywhere. I mean, this house was just full of stuff. And I'm like, this is awesome. And I'm like, you got to come see this. And we were looking and it was really cool until we walked out of the door and there was a shotgun pointing at us. I don't know what you do when there's a shotgun pointing at you, but apparently I get white as a ghost and I stand really still. And I just said anything that could come to my mouth to save my life. I don't know what was going on with her. She walked out, saw the guy, and didn't even let me know. This guy was standing there with a shotgun. People have been rummaging through his house. I'm like, I don't live here. I've never even been here. I don't know. Don't shoot me. And I just talked and talked and talked and talked. And I don't know if I did a good job or the guy just was, didn't want to shoot me that day. I don't know. But regardless, we walked a lot. Not a funny story. Really, it's not. You thought it was. We've all had different times. Have you ever had a line of cows lined up at you? Minnie grew up on a farm. We're at her cousin's house. I don't know why I'm telling these stories, but they're scary stories at the time. We're walking through the pasture. We're walking through the field, and all of a sudden, the whole herd of cattle were standing right there. There was probably four of them, but I thought there was about a 1,000. And they were all, it was like they were talking to each other, walking at me. Or us. I'm gone. I don't know what happened, but I took off. Mindy thought that was the funniest thing in the world. We won't tell you what happened to Mindy. You can ask her that story later. But she thought that was funny. When we're afraid, we do things that we don't normally do. I normally don't see a cow and start running. But when they were lined up, I'm thinking, these they look like they're about to charge us. I was afraid. I'm not going to lie. I do things that I don't normally do in the midst of fear. You do things you don't normally do in the midst of fear. Have you ever been in a situation not like that, where it's kind of comical now? But have you ever been in a situation where it's, it's real life? Something is left to you. Something has been dropped on your lap, and you're like, how do I deal with this? What do I do in this situation? And we become fearful. And we do things maybe that we wouldn't normally do. And in the midst of our fearful situation, we kind of throw out a lot of different things because we're like, I'm in crisis mode. I've got to do this or I've got to do that. When we become frightened, when we become fearful, a lot of things in our lives are affected by that. Here's what's sad. Many of us live in fear every single day, though we wouldn't call it that. Many of you sit in this room and you're afraid to forgive somebody within your own family. And you live your life 
differently because of fear. Many of you are afraid in this room because of a circumstance within your home. Maybe it's a divorce situation. Maybe it's something within your childhood, whatever it would be. But we live every single day in fear, in bondage, because of what we are afraid to do or not to do. Can I tell you, you're looking at a guy over the last couple years that has been afraid many, many, many times in leading Oasis Baptist Church. And you go, wow, that's... No. Do you know what that has done many times? It has caused me to live and to do things a little bit differently because I was afraid of what could be. I sat in my office this morning and I just prayed, God, forgive me. Really, some of this just hit me this morning. I said, God, forgive me where I've been afraid and leading oasis. Because you know what we do when we're afraid? Oftentimes we do nothing. You become frightened and so you just go about your routine. I went to work today. I went home today. I went to sleep. I woke up. I went to work. I ate dinner, went to sleep, went to work, ate dinner, go to sleep. And we kind of ignore the things that really need to take place because we're like, you know what, I'm afraid. I don't really know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything. And the fear literally cripples us in our lives. Gideon may not have been into a place where he was crippled by fear yet, but Gideon was at a place and he said, you know what, God, all of these things, I have seen all of this. I am all of this. I am not anybody that you want to serve. I am not anybody that you would want to do anything for you. But yet you just called me out and said that you were with me. God, if you're with me, then all of these things shouldn't be taking place. And Gideon kind of came to a spot and he said, listen, okay, here I am. God, if you are this, then I need you to show me something. And Gideon prepares a, a meal. And it speaks of, in the, in, the, in the scripture, it speaks of an offering or it speaks of a present. And that present could be a couple different things throughout study. And I'm going to try to hurry this along. But, but Gideon prepares this meal and he, he takes it and he presents it. He puts it on the altar and the angel of the Lord takes and hits the meal whole thing blows up in flames. And Gideon says, that is the hand of God. That was God. You remember Moses? He kept asking God, God, you need to show me a sign. God, okay, you showed me one. Hey, God, you need to show me another one. Hey, God, you need to, you need to show me another one. And the children of Israel, the same thing over and over. They saw the sign, they saw the sign, they saw the sign. And but Gideon, in the midst of all of his questioning, in the midst of all of those things where Gideon becomes afraid, and Gideon says, God, I am nobody. I can't do these things. Let me ask you a couple simple questions this morning. The fear that is in front of you, the thing that you keep saying in your life, I can't do it. I can't lead. I can't take a job. 
I can't be this kind of man in my house. I can't be the the woman that I'm supposed to be. God says, I will be with you. Men, let me share with you. God wants you to lead your home and he will be with you. Women, God wants you to be a godly example in your home and a leader in your home and he will be with you. God wants you to be a witness for him and he will be with you. God wants you to stop the addiction that you're facing and he will be with you. God wants you, are you and I willing to give of ourselves over? Gideon asked the question over and over. God, to the point that he says, prove that to me. And God did that. Can I say to all of us, a simple, simple message this morning, I know. God wants to show you God wants to prove to all of us but can I say this he's already proven it and I would say most of you that sit in this room that may have a fear of something forgiving somebody asking forgiveness of somebody a fear of stepping out of your comfort zone to serve in a certain area, a fear of taking control of your home, a fear of whatever those things are, the fear that you are gripped with. Most of you that sit here would already would say, you know what? I already know God is who He is. And I know that God says to fear not. And God said to fear not, and He said not to fear because why? I am with you. We don't have to live that way. And as Gideon did all of those things, as Gideon was prover, God proved himself to Gideon there in that passage of Scripture, and he he took that, that offering that God had given to him and he lit it on fire, so to speak. Gideon then takes some action. So the next point as we close up this morning is Gideon's action. Gideon knew that it was from God. He makes a mention in 22, in verse number 22, and when Gideon perceived that he, was an, that, that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. The next thing that Gideon did was took action. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom unto this day it is yet in Ophrah of the Abizarites. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw it down or and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said. Here's where we get. God called Gideon. Gideon said, whoa, I can't do this. Who am I that you would use me to do anything? Gideon proceeds throughout the the course of those times and just asking questions of God who are you and God why this and how would you use me and many of the things that all of us have asked the question how in the world God can you use me 
Gideon gets to the place where he says, wow, that was of God. Gideon goes over, basically immediately bows himself to God, builds an altar to God, and God says, hey, time out. Thank you for building this altar, but here's what I need you to do. I need you to go over there, and the altar that your father has built for Baal, you need to take and wipe it all out and wipe all of those things out. Gideon immediately does just as he was told to do. Here's the hardest part of fear. One, accepting it. Two, taking the action to do what we know we're supposed to do. In all reality, I can sit here this morning and I can say, you know what? I know I need to seek forgiveness of somebody. I know that I need to serve in such and such capacity. I know that I have to face the issue that's right in front of me. I understand, God, that this is what you have called me to do, and, and I've you've proven that this is where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to do. Then we come to the place of, actually taking the step to do the thing that we're supposed to do. You know what? I could sit in this room and I guarantee you just about everybody all throughout this auditorium knows the things that we're supposed to do in our lives. The problem is being obedient to do them in our lives. The Christian life is tough. Christian life is really tough because it's a matter of us being obedient to somebody, one that we're not really quite sure of what the next step will be, but it's just simply living an obedient life. You know why I get fearful? Do you know why I'm a, keep pulling the microphone down, do you know why I keep and I live and I do and I act certain ways? You know why I don't take the next step and I don't act on what I know to do? It's because I'm afraid. All the while, God has said, I'm with you. God has proven himself time and again. We wake up every morning and what can we do? We look out and we see the sunrise. We go to bed, we see the sunset. We look out at the flowers and we see this is God. God has proven himself. Not only that, though, we can look throughout history, we can look throughout time, we can look in our own lives, and we've watched instance after instance after instance after instance where God has just came along and and showed us, and He's showed us, and He's proven Himself, and He's proven Himself. And yet I sit here and I go, God, but I'm afraid to do that. I'm afraid to actually live with faith. I'm afraid to, to go to that person in forgiveness. I'm afraid to take that next step. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And God's sitting there just saying, hey, listen, I'm right, I'm right here. I'm with you. Because I'm afraid of the unknown, I'm afraid of what I can't control. I'm afraid of what could happen if. 
I'll sit back and I'll just say, you know, for Gideon it may have been, he may have been thinking, man, it's so much easier just to to sit over here and press this wine or this wheat. So much easier. You know what's even crazier? Most of you in here know the story of Gideon. Gideon had no idea what was about to happen. Gideon didn't know that he was going to go to war with just a few people against thousands of people. Gideon didn't know all of those things. It's the fear of the unknown. But yet he said, okay, God, you proved yourself. And he took action. And I don't have time and I'm not going to go into it. But then the next thing he does is he says, hey, God, prove, prove, I'm going to put this out here tonight and I'm going to go to bed. I want you to just have due on this spot. And he woke up and there it was. Then he said, all right, all right. Hey, I'm going to go to bed and I want you to have due on all of this, but not on this spot. And he proved himself again and he proved himself again. And Gideon said, all right. Church, might go, man, this is just a simple thought this morning. How many of us live in fear of making a decision, of stepping out to say, hey God, I have no idea what this is going to cost me, but you've proven yourself to me. God, I have no idea what this is going to cost me, but I've got to call my brother. I've got to call my friend. I've got to call this person and just ask, hey, I'm sorry. I apologize for what I did. Will you forgive me? Hey, can I just let you know I forgive you? Hey, that may mean that you lose a friend. That may mean you gain the best friend that you've ever had. That may mean that you lose family members. That may mean, like Gideon, that you're in the midst of a war up against thousands of people and you're going, holy cow, how in the world? Here's my fear. Here's Aaron Flanagan's fear. I stand here every Sunday morning. Many of you would go, well, you just speak in front of all of us all the time. That's easy and la, 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 la. You do, that's just natural to you. You know, the hardest part of my job isn't standing up here every Sunday morning. The hardest part of my job is going in the office on Monday morning, trying to figure out, how do we keep this thing going? Going, God... God, how in the world do you use me? God, I got an email that I didn't like. That's really who I am. God, how am I supposed to do that? How do I love those people? God, I'm afraid. And that fear can cripple me to sit in an office and do absolutely nothing. Or I can say, God, I am nothing. God, I don't have... 
you'll never hear a pastor say this, I have nothing to say to you. Because I don't. I don't. I don't. God, you've seen us come from this and taken a step over here. And God, you've proven yourself here. And God, you've you've shown yourself here. And God, in this circumstance over here where I didn't think that we could get through it, you showed us to get through it. And you, you walked us along that path. And then I can stop and I can go, all right, Satan, not today. Because God is with me. Satan, not today. Because God said, you will not die. Satan, not today. Because it's not about me. I become very afraid when I think of what Aaron Flanagan can do. But when I can stop and I can say, God, it's not about Aaron Flanagan. In all reality, I can't do anything. And I can say, God, boom. There you are. The fear though it may still be there, becomes his problem and not my problem. Listen, the fear that you face today, the questioning, the call that you may have, the thing that's right in front of you today that you think to yourself, I cannot take another step. Let me, let me, let me tell you. Drop it in his hand because he wants to be with you. He wants to take it. He wants to be able to to put it in his hands and say, here, let me carry you to tomorrow. Hey, let me carry you over that. Now, I didn't say that the circumstance is going to become easier. I didn't say that you're still not going to have to fight it. But let him carry you. While he carries you, it's far easier than when you try to do it on your own. Church, the next couple weeks, we're going to get deeper into Gideon's story. And I pray this morning that it's not just a, it's kind of an introduction in many ways, but how many times do we cripple ourselves because of the fear of what's directly every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.